Are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> got your earbuds? Yeah, I got them in, so should be good to go. So I gotta ask you, because the podcast is called Behind the Wheel, are you always behind the wheel? Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. So living in Baltimore, in the inner city, I was present when the Freddie Gray riots occurred. Baltimore was actually the first city in America to come up with a essentially legal way to ban African Americans' property ownership within white residential areas. Nation is a two-sided marketplace where we introduce artisanal and emerging uh, brands, mainly snack brands, to consumers at key moments where they're most engaged. Hi, I'm Derek, and this is Behind the Wheel, a show dedicated to highlighting the accomplishments of ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things in the community. Check us out on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcast. one, two, testing one, two. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, Derek Oxley. And today, you know, people always ask me, no one asked me that. See, I'd be lying if I tell you that. No one asked me how I get guests for my show. But this particular guest came by way of a DM from a friend from a past life. Angie sent me a video. I said, hmm, okay, this is interesting. Wow. So I went to the person's page and I said, oh. They're a runner. Okay, the story is building up some intensity. Then a friend, um, also from the run community. Well, not also, because Angie's not from the run community. Anyhow. Also, nah, don't say also. And then a friend from the running community, Mr. Kovan Flower. Shout out to Kovan. In a small world, how things and how people are connected. Flowers, Grandmaster Flowers, those who grew up in Brooklyn might from recognize, recognize the name. Well, he posted a video where the same individual had put out a call within the run community calling all crews to come together. I was like, okay, there is definitely a story here. I wasn't able to come down to uh, the first event. But I seen the video afterwards. Definitely a story here. So let me reach out to this individual. And they were very receptive and we were able to get them on the show. So without any further ado, please join me in welcoming to the show that coffee boy. You're either black or white where I'm from. I've seen so much racism here that I'm used to it. It's nothing new. I used to run home from where I work, and I would get stopped crossing the bridge because I'm black. And I, that happens over and over again. I have kids. It's a shame that they are actually a target. A six-year-old didn't want to go outside anymore because she thought she was about to get killed or she thinks about to come murder. She's afraid of being black. Beautiful black brother telling someone, put me, leash on your dog. This white woman had the power to potentially destroy this man's life. Enough is enough. It is too much. So we didn't start, we didn't create it, but we can finish this shit all together. We are witnessing history. You don't catch the moment right now. You're never going to get the chance to catch it again. It's up. I am our young man. You're going to need to step back and say, hey, I'm face to face with something that I didn't know exists. I'm a white male. I don't experience things that I've heard the last couple weeks. How am I going to say, I love this community if I haven't been there to take responsibility for my experiences of our athletes outside of the run? Got a special guest. He's originally from the backwoods of North Carolina, now resided in Brooklyn, New York. He is the founder of Define New York. He's also a Nike pacer and coach. Phil Baker most recently released About the People. Give it up for Mr. Coffee. How you doing today, sir? What's up, man? I'm actually doing good. Um, can't complain. Um, everyone's healthy on my end and my side, so uh, you know everything is great here. As long as we inside, you know, as long as we inside, outside the door is a different story. Yeah, safe, 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 safer inside than outside these days. Yeah. So exactly. For those people who may not know you, why don't you um, tell them a little bit about yourself? How you got started on this road to to running? So me running. That's, that was just, to, to be honest, that, <clears throat> that was just to keep me in shape because I was always in shape from playing basketball back in the day. 
And then all year round, I'm one of the ones that believe, you know, forget the season thing. I, I have to be in shape 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. And I know running was that one sport that would keep me grounded and that would keep me, you know, in shape to whether if I have to run somewhere, I can't jump on the train or the bus or, you know, if I have to walk, I would never be out of breath. And even when it came to basketball, everyone else is not in shape like a runner will be in shape all year round. So you see the different dynamics individually. Mm-hmm. So. Um, that's how running started for me, man. And I just kept up with it. Um, been running for like the last, um, let me see, 15, 15 years now. Wow. Long distance, long distance runner. Okay. So it's something that I would do, um, you know, until I can't do it anymore. It's mm-hmm. something that I'm in love with. and something that, um, something that, you know, I want to get more people involved just so they can see um, what running actually does to, you know, your, your life. It kind of changes. Um, everything on it and put it on a different spectrum in a greater way. Yeah. It wasn't something like I, I grew up in Brooklyn and we would run, you know, you do suicides, whatever, but it was not something that like we, I was just going to go for a long distance run. I didn't even know that that was a, was a thing. Um, but I do remember there's a, there's a guy used to, you know, playing up in the middle of a, uh, in the middle of the street, there would be a guy, Occasionally, he would just, I would see him, he would have short shorts on, black guy short. I, I know now runners build no top on and just running. And we would stop and say, like, what is he doing? I didn't know what he was just like, okay. And then we would go back to what we were doing. But I know now that he was, he was probably training for a marathon. You know, so how has it, how has it impacted your, your, your life um, in terms of your, the creative process and, and how you, you, to start running and then, you're a trainer now for a, a coach and a pacer for Nike. There's some love and uh, some work that you have to put into to, to get to that point. You know, first, first it all depends on what it is that you're going to add of yourself to what it is that you know you have to do that's necessary to get the people that's in training to believe in you and everything that you say. Um, that's, the, that's the first thing. Um, secondly, you know, it's all about how do you connect with each individual and and once they gain, you know, once they once you earn their trust, you gotta make sure that you do everything from A to Z correctly. You know, you can't tell one person something totally different than you tell the next. You know what I mean? Especially when they they in your same group. You have to be as honest as possible. And and and, and as far as like, you know, how I got there. You know, I used to, you know, I used to go to Nike as a, as an individual, as a, just to run with them. Cause I heard about it, you know, through a friend of mine, you know, I started running on treadmills mm. and I thought that was the greatest thing until I got outside and started running with people and realized that the distance was actually shorter than uh, running with people than it is when you're trying to do these miles alone. So once I started running with Nike, that's when I realized that, okay, I'm going to continue going. And once I continue being there, that's when um, I realized, you know, there's something going on here that was special. And that's what kept my interest. Because we're running, you have to always find something that's going to keep your interest. At any given time, when you put so many miles on your legs, you can come up with an excuse on not to run for that following day. Although you're ready to go, your legs is kind of like, you know, now, you know, trying to help you come up with excuses. So you need something that that motivates you. And that's what I do. Like, I always find different things that will motivate me to get outside to run. And at that point, at that stage of time, it was me going to Nike Town to run with these guys. Um, well, it was three, five or seven miles because those were the options that they had. And then I don't know if you know of um, Knox Robertson. Mm-hmm. He's the coach of Black Roses. Um, he was a coach at Nike at the time. And him and I kind of knew each other from our past lives and whatnot. And then um, him and I had a conversation about, you know, me coming on board as a um, as a paster. And it, it, that's how quickly it happened um, because he saw how serious I was. And then, you know, and once I jumped on board, that's when I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take it seriously, but I'm also going to... Um, help more of me come on board as runners so they can understand that, you know, this is, this is a healthy tool. It's nothing, it's nothing wrong with being a runner. It's nothing weak with being a runner. 
running actually, you know, keeps you healthy, um, depending on, you know, who you are and, and how serious um, you get with it. Mm -hmm. And when I say more me, I mean more people of color, because that's, that's what I wanted to see out there um, hitting the pavement, more people of color, like any and everybody should run. But there wasn't as many people of color out there when I um, started. But now, you know, I, I see it's getting there. It's getting there slowly, but surely. Yeah, like it, it wasn't something I didn't I didn't start running until like 20, 2010. My sister was telling me for a while about running. Prior to that, I wasn't really, really running. But there weren't that many people of, of color, like you said, out there running. So, so what inspired me to keep going, man, was um, I have kids. So I inspired myself to keep going just so I know for a fact that I can remain and stay in shape for them while they grow up. I don't want to be, you know, out of shape while, you know, they're coming into their teens. And right now I'm running around with them while they're kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the, it's the most um, joyful moments I can get while we're outside at the playground. And I can play, you know, I can play this game freeze tag and they never can catch me and I'm in shape and we playing the entire time. And, and, and at the same time that we're playing, I'm kind of tricking them too, right? Because I, I'm out there with them. But in my mind, I'm making them tired. So I know when we get home, they're going to be knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. How, how, many, how old are your children, man? How many kids do you have? Actually, I have four kids, man. My oldest is 21. Oh, um, I started when I was young. And then my next kids are, um, I have a nine-year-old daughter. Mm -hmm. And then I have a set of twins that are seven. Okay. Um, fraternal twins. Wow. So the nine is and the and the two seven year olds, you know, they're, they're the ones that, you know, that's running around and and I'm running around with them um just like a little kid uh, when we outside and now, you know, we biking, we all biking now. So mm -hmm. it's, it's it's that's what keeps me inspired, man. And then um the flip side of it is when I'm training people or when I know people are running you know, whether it's their first one or not, just seeing how they transform from the first day to the last day of training. And now they're constantly running and seeing when they cross that finish line for whatever marathon or when they come back with a, a medal. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a great joy to actually um, witness those things, to know that, okay, I did something. I did my part. Mm -hmm. And their part is to just, you know, run those 26.2 miles that um, we actually train for. So th that's, those are the things that um, actually inspires me to continue um, me out there on the street running. Because I always have to be, for me personally, I always feel like I have to be a, a step above. I have to always make sure that I'm in, I'm in my top shape because I can't, it's not that I can't show weakness, but I can't like, come across where I know something, but my body isn't saying the exact same thing. Mm. Everything has to be, everything has to be on point top level. Okay. So yeah, I have it, to be. Yeah, it is. It's like, like I said, it wasn't something that I, that I would do. I, you know, you started family. So it was working, you know, different lifestyle. And then it was just like, you hit to a point where it's like, oh, I need to, um, I might need to consider doing something else because you just going to work, coming home, going to work, coming home, and there's no, no physical activity. That yeah. you, the stress of the day, family life, exterior life, it, it can weigh on you if you don't have an outlet. So the, the running, when I started it, it was like, this is, I was so excited. I did my first run after two years of my sister telling me, um, you know, you should try this running thing. You should try this running thing. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She would send me emails. I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. I picked up a pair. I had a pair of Reebok zigzags underneath the bed. You know, I just bought them because I thought they were cool looking sneakers. They're not running shoes. Or, you know this. <laughs> I ran around the block. I, I spent more time stretching. It was downtown Bridgeport. I spent more time stretching than, I actually, than actually running. And I was so excited. I called her up, Yvonne. 
you won't believe it. I went for a run today. And she's like, great. Well, how, how far did you go? And I said, I made it around the block. And it was like this silence, like around the block. It's a, a city block. <laughs> like, how far is that? But I couldn't go anymore. And my legs were itching. I, I felt this sensation in my body that I hadn't felt in a while. But I, I, I kind of stuck with it, you know. Um, so you just going, it just became, wow, this is this something else. I didn't realize that there were so many people. I didn't know that there were people of color running, to be honest, when I started. It was just, I would show up to a race. I remember paying, you know, going, it was in Westport, Connecticut. I, I, was, I was the only other, I was only one of maybe two black people there. So mm. it was like, wow, there's, there's nobody there. And if I seen another black person, it was like, you see me see you, right? Um, I'm not out here by myself. And then discovering that, oh, wow, there's so many different people that run. This was, it's just like a great community. Um, and so you, you found your, your, your tribe. And what led you to start um, Define New York Run Club? Hmm. Um, so what made me start my own run club was um, because after every, every training, like when I first started Nike as a Nike pacer, um, when I first started with Nike as a Nike Pacer, we were all year round, mm -hmm. um, 365 days. Like every Wednesday, we were every Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday mm -hmm. um, for Nike. And then they stopped that and they start just doing seasons of training marathons. And once the season thing started, they started the program called Project Moonshot. And after every Project Moonshot, um, people would ask me, you know, especially the new runners, because they didn't have a run crew yet, ask me personally, um, what are you going to do? Are you going to start a run? We heard you're going to start a run club. We heard you're going to start a run club. And the first two seasons, um, I was like, nah, I'm, I'm good. Like, I just, I, I was just running with other people throughout um, the time off or whatnot when um, Project Moon, when training was over. Mm -hmm. And then after this season, 2019, um, season i was like you know i was like you know what people kept coming up and i was like you know what i'm gonna just go ahead and start one and you know to me regardless on what i do whether it's a screenplay whether it's a fashion project or whatnot the name is always key it has to stand out and i had this hashtag that i came up with years ago like when social media first started and i was already running and I noticed I kept putting, um, being that I was running in different places in, in New York, it was always hashtag define New York. Mm -hmm. And I realized I was the only one using that hashtag. So when it came to a name, when I'm out there, I'm an adventurous runner. I like to find things. You know, I like to find abandoned buildings, um, graffiti that I've never seen before. Um, these one streets that nobody really know of. You know, I like to see from an architect from an architect standpoint. I like to see different buildings. What make this street different? And I like to find you know these streets that cars don't even go on because you know they'll take Atlantic Avenue, Flatbush, or DeKalb or Lafayette before they take this back street. You know, those those are the things that I love doing as a runner. So that's when I was like, oh, you know what? I got a name, Define New York Run Club, because basically that's what I'm doing. I'm trying my best to define every street that's out there or whatever it is that New York may have to offer. And that's how the, the name came, um, Define New York Run Club. And that's what, um, you know, and then once I announced it, man, um, people start coming. Like immediately people start coming. There was no, there hasn't been like, uh, uh, there hasn't been a little bit, bit of people yet. Every meeting that we have had as far as running on Saturday mornings, um, it's been pretty good. And I don't tell I don't tell them where we're running um, because I keep that, you know, like I said, you need some type of some people need motivation. So to motivate them to get up that early in the morning is to not tell them where we're running. But they do know they run in somewhere that they probably never even heard of or that had never even seen. Mm -hmm. And that's to keep that excitement going until we get to the destination. So where do you guys meet at? We um so I have a friend. His name is Trey Hill. He's a. um. He's a black owner here, over here in Fort Greene, and he has a bar called um, Dick and Jane's. And okay. if you don't know of that bar, it can come off as a speakeasy mm -hmm. because it's kind of, it's, it's, you know, how, is, how it is on um, Adelphi, it's kind of hidden. 
it's right there in your face, but you don't never, you wouldn't think that it's a bar. Mm. And we spoke and he's a runner himself. So I spoke with him and I wanted to be different. I didn't want to start out of a coffee shop. You know, I didn't want to start out of um, a running club, a run club, you know, a run club. I wanted to start out of a hub. I wanted to start out of something totally different. And and then, you know, being that he's a, being that it's a bar, he don't open until like 5 p.m. So there's no rush. You know, we'll start at 9 a.m. And we can go do, if we wanted to do a marathon, we can go do a marathon without having to rush back. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, so those type of, you know, those um, type of things worked in our favor. And when people start coming, um, they love the place. Like, there's people that come and they, I know they're coming and they'll just walk right by it because they, they can't <laughs> find it. And that's what I love about it. Like, that's why I, I love the fact that it's like, it's a hit, it's not hidden, it's right there in your face but it just doesn't look like what you're looking for. Now, is it, the, I guess the, the name must not be outside then, or, or is it outside? You just, you just, you just zip by it? No, you... it's not. Okay. It's, it's, the name isn't really outside. It's just the address that's gotcha. outside. And it's, it's so dope, man. It's like, it's, it's a really dope venue. Um, it's a really dope spot. And I don't drink. Like I never mm-hmm. had, I don't drink alcohol before, but to use that, Wait a second, wait, 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 you said you, you've never drunk alcohol before? No. Wow. I, ne- I never drank, never smoked, never done any of that stuff, man. I'm 100% pure. <laughs> I hear you. I, I, I don't want to, it's not, it's not shocking or surprising, but it was shocking for me to hear, I think Anderson Cooper um, had a, said, I never tried coffee before. I'm like, coffee? You never had coffee mm. before? I think everybody's had coffee. He's like, no, I never had coffee before, and I tried it once. I was like, wow. So this is just when I, when I hear things, it's, it's just it was, it was surprising to hear. So you're, you're well, out. Hmm? Well, well, I, I never um, had coffee either. <laughs> nah, come on. Are you serious? You got to give up the name then. How did you get yeah, the name man. coffee? Never how had did, it either, man. And how did, you, how did you get the name coffee? It's like it's the first thing people think of sometimes in the coffee. morning. It's, it's no, no um, C-O-F-F-E-Y. That's my family's last name. Okay. So, you know, so here in New York, you know, you say you grew up in Brooklyn. You guys are quick to give somebody a nickname. So once they found out my last name, it just stuck. Uh, and you came with your own I, last name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so don't exactly. give me one. I got my own. I got my own name. Now you just go. Now you just go by that boy coffee. They don't even, you know, it's like, it's like this mystery, almost like Dick and Jane. You just walk right by it. And it's like, yo, I, I don't know where it's at, but. That's 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 that boy coffee. So nobody nobody knows your 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 real name. They just go by um. Well, if they do know, they know the thought. Then it's just not something that's uh that's spoken of. It's like folk- folklore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That coffee boy. That's what they um. Uh, they just call me coffee man. I haven't been called my government name, my first name in over twenty years, man. So I'm gonna be honest. It doesn't even register though. Like mm-hmm. if somebody says, there's been a couple of people that has said my first name. And if you say my first name, I know you're from where I'm from. You're not from New York. So, so if they up here visiting and they call me by my name, it doesn't register. I don't turn around because I haven't been called that in so long. Like, can you mm-hmm. imagine like two decades of just being called coffee, 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 coffee. And then when my relatives come up here to visit, they still call me coffee and we both turn it around or all of us turn it around because mm-hmm. we all share that exact same last name. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, it's a, a friend uh, from Black Men Run had posted this invite to a um, to all runners united, you know, all crews coming together with something that you had organized. I was like, the name sounds like that boy coffee. I know that name. And so what, what made you start um, the, the All Crews Run? Um, well, basically, it was uh, running to protest All Crews, One Crew. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that's happening outside our doors, um, that's pretty much how, why I came up with it. And as a runner, you know, I really didn't know how big of a voice I had in the running community. I just knew that the people that came and trained with me believed in believed in me and I had faith that I can stir people the the right way. But if you didn't come to Moonshot, you know, any Nike events, who will even bother coming to this thing? Because you don't know me, right? So I just happened to um, 
when there was a protest outside of my door, I joined that protest and it was a peaceful protest until, you know, we saw, you know, what was going on and, and that captivated and escalated to something totally different. And that's when things kind of got wild or whatnot. And then that next day, um, it was Saturday. So the protest was Friday. So the next day was for my Saturday long run. And when I went out and ran, man, I ended up running um, marathon numbers without even realizing it because I was in such a, a thinking, you know, I was in thought of what can I do to, to on my side to um, help what what's going on? How can we educate people or whatnot? And, um, but not only that, you know, from these different podcasts that I already did, I was already getting a lot of questions from, you know, white people asking how they can help mm-hmm. uh, from the podcast that I did. And I figured, you know what, while running, it's like, you know what, let me just announce that I'm going to have this um, run into protests and see how many people show up. So I kind of, you know, when I run, I always come up with whatever assignment, whatever work, or even if I'm writing a script, everything comes while I'm running whether it's mm-hmm. a character, whether it's a storyline, I take care of that while I'm on the pavement. And for this, it was the exact same way. And um, when I got back, I realized, oh, I ran 26.27 miles. Like, oh, I, I, that didn't even dawn on me while I was out there. Mm-hmm. So when I got back, um, I put it out there, had a fly in May, and what I thought 40 to 60 people would show up to, 750 to 1,000 people showed up. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew right then that, oh, okay, there's more people paying attention to me than what I thought. And um, and it ended up being cool, man. It ended up being cool to see the same, you know, not to see the same, but to see all these people from different walks uh, come to say, you know, we, we hear you. Um, we believe in what you have to say. And we're down for whatever it is that... Um, you want to do to mm-hmm. spark whatever movement that you have going. And, and that was, man, I, I have to say, I, I kind of like my, I got teary eyed seeing the different people because they didn't know, you know, over half of those people didn't know who I was personally, mm-hmm. but I knew they was coming to my event because of the fact that they had on white t-shirts and seeing them riding bikes, seeing them coming from a different direction. Now I'm like right there in the middle looking around and they have no clue, you know, if they didn't really pay attention, all they saw was the flyer, right? They didn't know it was me, but I knew it was them. And that was, man, that was an amazing feeling. So that's how, um, that's how that came about. And I'm actually having um, the second one. one. Yeah. Yep, I'm actually having another one, um, Sunday, July 12th which would be kind of different than the first one. So each one that I have, I, I have one every month. Mm-hmm. And each one that I have is going to be different than the one before. Because to me, it's all about educating um, people on our history. Because a lot of that we weren't taught in school. You know, they kept us out of school. They, they educated us about the, the wrong things. But me growing up, you know, I had a family that educated me like how I should have been educated in school mm-hmm. and kept me grounded and let, you know, they let me know who Emmett Till was from the very beginning. So imagine learning about Emmett Till from a young age to what's going on now. So Sunday run is a 5K through the city to a historical destination that um, so many people run, but run at this place. But they have no idea what this place was before it became what it is today. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what Sunday Run is about. So we'll have one speaker that will be letting people know what those grounds are that we will actually be standing on. That's the destination point. And that's the, that's the 12th? That's the 12th of July, this coming Sunday at 10 a.m. And where, where are they meeting at? We'll be meeting at Madison Square Park, which is 23rd Street and Broadway. You know, I, I, you got to throw, you know, I, I know this is New York. So when you say Madison Square, some people don't listen or read. So they, they immediately think Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I was here. You, so where you at, Kobe? <laughs> it's like, yeah, we weren't we were at the garden, man. We didn't say Madison Square Garden. Exactly. So Madison Square Park. 
Okay. I was curious as to, you know, the creative process um, when you get out and you're, you're on the road. Are you running with music or you're just running? I do run with music. When I'm solo, I always run with music. Music helps me get through through my runs. And depending on what song that comes on, it helps my thought process. I don't listen to, I can't say that I listen to anything that's modern day. I'm more of a 90s hip hop head and more of a soul. You know, when I say soul music, I'm speaking of, you know, like, you know, Marvin Gaye. Um, I'm speaking of any, you know, anybody from that time period, um, Teddy Pendergrass, you know, I can listen to Shaka Khan. I can listen to Patti LaBelle, you know. You know, a lot of people don't do, you know, their history, which is something that, you know, I, I'm going to do because it's going to be with music too. A lot of people don't know that a lot of hip-hop beats, and I love, you know, I'm a hip-hop head, but a lot of hip-hop beats come from soul music, especially James Brown. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so that's an education um, that's needed there. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, in, in music as well, because a lot of those beats, they have no clue. Uh, and, and in today's rap, people love beats more than they do the lyrics. It's not about the lyrics yeah, anymore. It's just, you know, when we was coming up, it was about both. <laughs> it was about the lyrics first and then the beat. Yeah. So if it's so if today, if it's just about the beat, then let me show you where this beat actually come from. And you might, you know, love this music from the 70s and the 80s. So... So yeah, I, I I do run with music, man. Music helps me tremendously. Yeah, it is it is it's interesting to see how different people from different walks of life use running, whether it's early in the morning, they get up and they're going for a run, and then while they're out there, they're saying they're inspired and it helps them in, in this aspect of, of their life. Um so it, it is it's it's a it's a pleasure having you um you know here to be able to share your story, but you talked about running wild black and what that experience was like for you in the South, where you typically wouldn't run alone. Yeah, running wild black in the South, it's a different atmosphere. For one, the South isn't built like this city. So the South isn't, you know, block to block to block. You know what I mean? It's like the woods, the neck of the woods, and it's rows to a stop sign or to a stoplight. So because it's not built, for you to run like you barely would see any walkways in the south because it, it's just not built for that you don't have sidewalks down there so if somebody sees you running you already being looked at differently because that's just not a sport that you know southerners take on to unless you're in the inner city but in the country in the country is totally different if they see somebody running then they prefer to see you running on the track and not mm-hmm. the streets so being that, you know, where I'm from, the South is still as, is as racist as it always has been. So whenever I would run down there, even in high school, in the summertime or whenever basketball season was over, I always had a family member to drive behind me while I ran. And, and then seeing what happened to um, Mr. Amar Arbery was the exact reason why I did that, because I knew where you know where we was at where i knew where i was at and to to keep those things away from happening is why i had someone to drive behind me and what happened to him man was just a modern day lynching of what happened to emmett till mm-hmm. it's just a different year and they lynched him totally different and that's why you know that's you know what happened to what happened to emmett till was in black and white, right? And today everything is in color. But it's the exact same thing, man. And and that's why it pisses me off as a um as a black man to see those things constantly happen happening. Because now what my grandparents and parents and stepfather and all, you know, taught me from Emmett Till, now it has been rewritten totally different but it was the exact same incident that I'd be that I'm now speaking to my kids about my twins so it's kind of me seeing me at their age and me being my parents now teaching my kids the exact same thing that I was being taught what was in hopes growing up that the world would be different when I had kids and it's the exact same world that we're dealing with 
So that just led to different conversations. How does that, you know, impacted your relationship with interacting with your kids and, and trying to navigate now with, you know, at one point it was, you know, you, you have this respect for authority and, and interacting with yep. police and then you're seeing the news. How do you, how do you share that? You shelter them from it or? No, you can't shelter them. You can't sugarcoat. You can't shelter them from any of that, man. They have to know this stuff no matter how young they are because here's the problem we're trying to shelter them away from, from the issues that's going on. If they don't get it from you, then they're going to get it from somebody else. And if they don't get it from you and they do get it from somebody else, then how much will your kid actually trust in you as the parent? And, and why why are you keeping it away from them but their aunt or their friend or their uncle or their you know cousin was the one that told them about it when it should have been your, their parents all along. You mm-hmm. don't want to miss out on that because when you miss out on one little detail with your kids, that trust factor could be gone immediately. And you don't want your kids to not have faith and trust in you. So I'm blunt with every little single thing that I say, and I'm I'm as honest as possible. And they watch the news, mm-hmm. like my son, like my seven-year-old son, who's a twin, he wanted to be a cop. He'd been saying he wanted to be a cop since he was like four or five years old. Mm. Now, what he done seen, he's afraid of cops. He no longer want to be a cop because mm. he know what the cops had been doing or what he saw them doing was totally wrong. And he does. That's not why he wanted to be a cop. He always said he wanted to help catch bad guys, but now he think that the bad guys are the cops. And that didn't have anything to do with daddy's doings. That has everything to do with him paying to TV or, you know, they have access to their iPads and they can see it on YouTube. They can find this stuff any and everywhere. Mm-hmm. So his mind has changed um, tremendously now. And his sister, who's seven as well, she, you know, she was along, you know, whatever it was that, you know, he was saying she wanted to be in law enforcement as well. And she don't change her mind too. Mm. You know, so. Is, is, is that the impact of it is being honest with them at all times, whatever questions that they ask, it might be harsh and you might not want to answer it the, the, you know, the appropriate way, but you have to. Mm-hmm. They deserve to know the truth and you have to be honest with yourself by delivering that truth yeah. because you can, you know, they can easily grow up and say, well, my dad didn't tell me that and he knew. So why should I ask him? I'm going to just continue going to ask my cousin who told, who put me on from the beginning. And I don't want that. You know, that, I, I, I don't want that. I want them to look at me and know that whatever question that they have, I will answer it to the best of my ability. And I want to also know and maintain that trust that I have with them and that they also have with me. Because they can come with me. They can come to me about any and everything. And I'm just, you know, I'm, 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 you know, my dad, mom, and I, we're like the, the coolest parents. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, we don't do the, the whole, you know, our discipline ways are totally different. We don't believe in, you know, all the beatings and uh, we, we don't do that. We just put them on punishment or whatnot and we let them know what's wrong and what's right. And then, you know, uh, educating them. Like their, some of their punishments is reading an extra assignment, you know? <laughs> Uh, you know, those are the type of things that um, helps them. And then, and then, you know, to to learn that while they're reading these assignments, they know it's no longer a punishment because they love reading. You know, like, so, so now you you're gonna have to switch up the strategy. <laughs> they enjoy they enjoy the books, man. So it must be it must be exactly it so, must it must be like inspiring to see like the time that we're living in where you are um. You're an activist, you know, and you using running to as a form of of uniting people, and it is, it seems like it was something that you didn't set out to do, you know. Like I'm gonna, it, it seemed like a gradual position. Just like, you know what I'm, I'm gonna step out and I'm going to do this thing, and um, and people are like have showed up and, and shown support for you, and it's 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 incredible. And then having your kids to observe that it's got to be like, oh man, I can't imagine what you might be uh, what you might be feeling, you know? Yeah, well, no, it's um, 
it's good to see from an all around, you know, from everybody that's around me is on board with whatever it is that I may be doing. Um, I don't do anything like negative um, because of, I don't do anything negative um, because I know I have eyes on me and the, and the majority of the eyes is my family. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> and growing up, did I do anything that I ain't have no business doing? Of course, <laughs> you know, that's a part of that's a part of growing up. But now, as an adult, you know, you wise up, and as you become wiser, you realize that you made some mistakes. But those mistakes that you made, you're glad that you made them because now you see, you know, why you where you at, or you know what not to do in certain you know situations, mm-hmm. and then you can use that, you know, what you did before. You can use that as a tool to help the kids that are growing up, especially the ones that reminds you of yourself and 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 hope that, you know, they don't follow down. They don't follow um, the same path as you did, because I, I tell you, man, I was lucky, Derek. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was lucky. Um, I did a lot of things that, you know, I probably had no business doing. But doing so, doing those things, man, um, I'm here to say God looked out for me tremendously because I never got caught doing a lot of things that, you know, was crazy. And, and, you know, it was just me being a kid um, Mm -hmm. doing like, you know, just doing crazy stuff, man. Nothing too far fetched, but things that I know that could have gotten other people in trouble and changed their entire lives. And um, so I turned all that around. And, you know, and now it's just about me trying to help not just my kids, but everybody else out there, whether they're the same age as me, younger than me or older than me, I'm a helping hand. Like, that's a tool that my grandfather put into me. Like, always be a helping hand regardless of who that person is. Like, it doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter who you are. Just be a helping hand and don't expect anything back. And, 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 and once I learned that, man, Helping people is one of the greatest feelings of all time, especially when you know for a fact you don't want anything back because mm-hmm. nobody owes you nothing. But when you help somebody, it's just that chill bump moment of knowing that you did something right to help that person smile or carry on with their day when that he or she felt like they couldn't continue on. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm all about, man. That's, the, you know, that's, that's what coffee is made of. Simply that. Yeah, I like that. That's going to be a, a soundbite, man. And being able to help and serve. I think um, serving leadership is, is something that's lacking right now from, from, from the White House. It's just, you know, what can I get out of it as opposed to how can I help others? You know, you're doing an incredible job um, um, using running, writing to uh, help. Writing and running. Um, to build the next generation, I think is key. Um, running, running is to keep you healthy and, you know, be able to do a lot of more things than you can or would be able to if you wasn't healthy. Uh, an unhealthy person could be grouchy, could be mean, but if that same person was healthy, they would be the happiest and be helpful in every way because they will feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and when I think about like the just just the running, the, the writing aspect of it, where you're sitting now, you're alone with your thoughts, and being able to capture those thoughts out and put it on a screenplay, um, whether it's in a book. I think there's just so many different avenues that maybe non-traditional, where people say, you know, I want to play basketball. No, so I mean the, the 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 importance of writing is is you know, it's getting your feelings and your thoughts out there. Um, I write a lot, um, whether whether it's scripts or whether it's just things that are within my mind at the time, so I won't forget. And then you know, and, and those things that I write that are not scripts, I always go back and find them and can potentially use them for a character within a script that I'm writing. Um, writing to me is, um, writing to me is, 
is a great tool to help educate yourself to understand the ability that you actually have as an individual without even realizing it, that it's something within you from reading in the past or reading modern day or listening to people around you because everybody thinks differently uh, regardless on what that may be. Um, if it's sports, Michael Jordan is better than LeBron, but to some people, LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. You know, like everybody thinks differently, but they do share that one common goal, which is basketball or whether it's, you know, football or whether it's baseball. They, we all think differently to a different degree and, and writing. I can write you, we can write about the same story, but we're going to write about it totally different because we're different people. And to me, that's inciting. Like, I love hearing, like, if I'm giving you an assignment and I'm telling you to write about Jackie Robertson, I guarantee you your story is going to be totally different than the next person's story. Mm -hmm. But we all talking about this same person. And I, the one that gave the assignment, might learn something that I didn't know from one of the people who I told or, you know, presented this assignment to. And, 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 and writing is there to help encourage you and know your abilities. It, it, it helps you know the strength of your writing and it helps you know the weakness of your writing. And that weakness is something that's internal. So if you feel like you weak in that situation or if you feel like you weak in that assignment or whatnot, you can better yourself by reading. That's where reading comes in at. That's where defining new words that can, you know, one word can mean multiple things as opposed to writing all those multiple things, especially if you have a writing count. If I tell you only a hundred words, then reading has to come in place somewhere down the line in order for you to understand what words that you can choose that would mean the exact same thing as opposed to writing a sentence when that one word deletes all of that. So writing is, is, is very um, important. And, you know, that's one of the things I, I write every day. There hasn't been a day that I have missed um, that I have not written things down or if it's not something that comes into mind. When I'm, I mean, we're not on a train as much today because of um, what's going on. But when I'm on a train, one of the main things I do is I sit down and I listen to the different conversations that's happening on the train because being on the train is one of the most marvelous places you can be because you're sitting on a train with so many people from different walks and backgrounds mm -hmm. and you and, and different cultures. And, and that's how I learn from what's going on. And that's me coming home, writing different scripts from what I heard on the train, believe it or not. About the people. Um, yeah, so it was, about the people was pretty much birth because um, my son, four years ago, was afraid to be outside in the dark, thinking that um, he would get killed by the cops, especially after witnessing and seeing what happened to Trayvon Martin and others and um when he told me that as a father i didn't have an answer so it bothered me for months and um being that i write constantly um i felt like writing a short film screenplay um not only would i be able to answer him but i would be able to answer to every person of color out there that's going through the exact same situations because being that he's a teenager he's feeling those things can you imagine how many other teenagers were feeling the exact same thing and, and, and as well as grown black or people of color men and women um we all have those same fights each and every day of trying to relive our lives and make it home safely if we made it home safely the day before. So that's how um, About the People came about. And um, while running, I came up with the different characters in mind of not wanting to give them names, but give them professions. And um, I called um, a friend of mine who's a screenwriter as well to see if he would um, co-write this thing for me. I mean, co-write this thing with me. 
um, because, you know, me, I'm a team player, man. Like, I, I'm a good writer, but I feel like a duo or doing things with other people could be great. And that's how um, About the People came about. And, you know, um, it's structured the way it is from me growing up um, in my household um, with all, you know, all these men in one room and, you know, the, the icing on the cake is the woman when she comes and give her input. But at first, you know, you don't see any of that. You just see men in a room. And um, I got that idea pretty much from um, 12 Angry Men, the 1957 version, as well as um, the Cleveland Summit with Jim Brown um, in June 4th, 1967. When Jim Brown had all these athletes and, you know, people of power um, when it came to black America um, with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell, Muhammad Ali, and why they should be on Muhammad Ali's side. But after that conversation was over, they was talking about the exact same things that we're talking about um, today. So that's how um, it came about, man. And then, you know, my number one thing was to educate people. I wanted to come from a different perspective. I didn't want to show another cop killing a black person because we see that live. We see that on people IGs. We see that on news, and nothing never happened. So I wanted to come come about it and and you know and, and and let people learn things that they have no clue about. It's just now in 2020 we hear more about Black Wall Street, but we wrote about Black Wall Street four four years ago in this short, and we filmed this short two years ago and we premiered it. Um, last year and we put it on um, social media and you know the platforms or YouTube or whatnot. this year you can actually go to aboutthepeoplefilm.com um, and it's basically um, concerned pillars in the African American community meet with one goal in mind and this whole thing man um, it's the blueprint to what needs to happen in order for us to get back to where we once was like how Black Wall Street was back in the day before I was born um you know, basically bind into your community. That's where we get lost at. Um, you know, the Jews buy back in their community. The Chinese is buy back in their community. I think we need to do that exact same thing. I mean, why not? You know, just because you make money, you don't have to go out there and buy Marc Jacobs or Gucci or Louis Vuitton. You know, there's a lot of black fashion designers that sell the exact same material, but because he, he or she is black, you won't purchase it? Like, come on. So, I mean, you know, that's... That's that's basically what about the people is about. Like, um, it's the answer to what needs to happen. And again, you can find this at aboutthepeoplefilm.com. You can find me, Coffee, at that Coffee Boy, T H A T C O F F E Y B O Y. And you can find my Run Club at Define New York Run Club. Um, thanks a lot guys for listening and, um, you know, hopefully I'll see you, you all on some of my runs and Derek, I appreciate the interview, man. Um, this was dope and, um, yeah, hope to see you guys out there soon. If, if not already. All right. Coffee signing out. Take care. Be safe out there, people.